Today's episode is sponsored by Tanglewood Church of Greenville, South Carolina. Tanglewood exists to be a church for all people, transforming the community and beyond one life at a time. Tanglewood rejects the status quo, religion, legalism, and traditionalism, and instead desires for the believers to experience the power and freedom of the Holy Spirit, focusing on the verse-by-verse, precept-upon-precept teaching and application of God's eternal word. You can reach them at tanglewoodbc.com, live on Facebook at Tanglewood Church, and Sundays at 11 for engaging worship experience. Mention this podcast on your first visit and receive a complimentary Chick-fil-A gift card from Tanglewood's resident Chick-fil-A ambassador. Now on to the episode. Welcome back to That's a Good Word, a podcast designed to assist and equip Christians through advice from people in ministry. If you're blessed by our content, we'd appreciate if you liked and subscribed to our YouTube channel and feel free to follow us on any of our social media accounts as well. We are honored today to have on Reverend Keith Kelly from his Vineyard Church. You might remember Keith. He came for our Holy Week devotionals not too long ago on Easter week, and we are just honored to have him back here for a full episode and um, for this interview. So thank you so much for being here, Keith. Thank you so much, Wilson, for the privilege to be back. I I like myself better when I can hang out with you. How about that? <laughs> so uh, thank you for the for the privilege. Well, yes, sir. Thank you. Feelings mutual. So we always start, we want to give you an opportunity to share your story, you know, your testimony, how you got saved, and then we'll talk about your time in ministry as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, by the by the good grace of a of a sovereign God, I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior as a six-year-old boy. I was uh, attending church with my mother, being the oldest of three children, and was exposed to the gospel in our uh, kind of, sort of, somewhat small Southern Baptist Mill Village Church in the late (laughs) 1960s in Easley, South Carolina. The man of God was faithful to his word. My Sunday school teachers uh, so sincerely and succinctly taught us the Bible, flannel graphs and all. And it created a stirring in my heart. And I began to ask my mother questions. And uh, she asked our pastor to come down to the house one Sunday afternoon. And Wilson, I will never, ever, ever forget it. He came down to the house on Sunday afternoon. My mother came out on the back porch of that little house. And she said, Keith, the pastor's in here and he wants to talk to you. And I went in. And he shared with me in the most humble, the most gentle way that you could possibly imagine that God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but could have everlasting life. And that Sunday afternoon, I prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, was baptized shortly thereafter as a 12-year-old boy Fast forward a few years later, uh, one Sunday night, I realized that God had called me to preach. Hmm. Um, I was scared to death. (laughs) My parents were scared to death. Uh, The whole church was scared to death. (laughs) I think my pastor was probably scared to death, but he was the only one out of all of us who, who didn't show it. And uh, he gave me a chance. 
and uh, it was almost 50 years ago mm -hmm. that that journey mm -hmm. began. And uh, by the grace of God, he has kept me on track. He has corrected me, protected me, and directed me, and connected me over and over and over again. And after five decades, my passion and my prayer is that one day I can just finish well hmm. and hopefully hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant of the Lord. If there are any pastors who happen to be watching this podcast, I would just say to you, keep on doing what you're doing, man of God. Be faithful unto death and leave the results to God. And I'm thankful that God is patient with us. I'm thankful mm. that he has blessed me uh, with some churches to pastor and serve that have been filled, I'm telling you, with patient people, mm. with patient people. Not just when I was young and dumb, <laughs> but now that I'm old and even dumber <laughs> at times in some situations. Uh, the people of God, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, has, has been a blessed association mm. in my life. And uh, this is not something that I have to do. This is something that I get to do just for Jesus. Mm. Mm. You did ask for all mm. that, but that's kind of what's <laughs> on my heart. No, no, you're good. One of the difficult things about ministry um, it's just it could can be perseverance. There's a lot of moving around sometimes. Um, there's change, which none of us like change. I am definitely one that doesn't. Um, but as a minister, as someone who's in ministry, you've had the you've had you've been you know you, you don't don't want to age you, but you've been in this road for a while now. For, I'm sixty. For very many decades. I'm almost sixty-two years old. Right. So so almost five decades. Almost in ministry. Yeah. Um, Next year will be yeah. five decades. Right. For maybe someone young starting out or someone that's maybe in the middle of the road and they're struggling, um, how, how did you persevere through all these years? Well, this is, this is not certainly not original with me, but uh, it could be, and it could be as well for mm. your dad and men of God like your dad. I tell you, I don't know of, of a finer, more faithful man of God than Hal Paris. I, I really don't. And I, I respect him very, very greatly. And um, it's for those men of God that I give thanks to the Lord because they have been a great, great example for me. It's been said that every pastor needs three people in his life. You need a Paul that's somebody that you look up to who's older. You need a Timothy, somebody who's younger, hmm. that you can pour your life into. You need also a Barnabas or a Silas. That, that's one of your contemporaries, somebody who's, who's pretty much right in there in the same same place in the race. They're on the same trajectory that you are. 
chronologically and spiritually. And, and, uh, and that's, that's what I would look at your dad as more or less of a contemporary, somebody that we're running this race together. You, you need all three of those. And I think having somebody that you look up to and learn from somebody that you run alongside of and with, and, and there's three or four men in my life and I won't call them out two in particular that I could call any time, day or night hmm. and talk to about anything. And I know number one, they're going to speak the truth to me. Number two, I know they're going to love me. And number three, I know they're not going to judge me. I need those people in my life. I need those people in my life. I had a, a disgruntled church member, uh, Sometime back, he said, "He said you need some people in your life, Keith. You need some people in your life who who will." And he just filled in all the blanks. And I just smiled at him and I said, "You're exactly right." But this is my thought: I have them, but you're not one of them. Hmm. See, you need to be very, very selective about who it is that you want to be in your inner circle. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's not a click. It's not a club, but it's a closeness that God gives you. John Bazzano, the former pastor of Houston First Baptist Church, once said when he was going into the ministry that his father-in-law, who was also in the ministry, said, John, I want you to write down in the back of your Bible on the flyleaf the names of all those guys that you're you're starting out in the ministry with, and uh, every time one of them falls in horrible disqualification, and that's a whole different subject because we all can mess up, and when we mess up, we need to fess up, and we need to dress up with the grace of God and just move on, put the past behind us. But it, it is possible based on the word of God, to disqualify yourself to the point, to the extent that God would have to put you on the sidelines. You don't lose your salvation, but you lose, you forfeit the opportunity and the privilege to serve him to the fullest extent for which he has called you and designed you. That really and truly can happen. And uh, Dr. Pisano's Father-in-law said, just draw a line through every time that happens. And he said, by the end of his ministry, by the end of his life, there were only three or four names out of hundreds that he had known that had not done that. Wow. There's one life to live, C.T. Studd said. One life to live will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ is going to last. I attribute my longevity thus far to one thing. And one thing alone, and that is I am what I am by the grace of God. Hmm. If the Lord has done anything for me, with me, through me, or in me, it has been in spite of me. Hmm. It's just been because of Jesus. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, amen. I'm reminded by uh, what John Whitfield had on his tombstone, I believe, or 
I believe it was in his one of his final letters. Um, he was passing away. He said, um, he said, they asked about his legacy. Hmm. They asked him about his legacy, and he said, hmm. "Let let my name die. Let me die. Let my name die with me. I only want people to remember Christ." Yeah, that's uh, and that's that's what you're you know sort of what you're talking about. That's all. That's that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. That that's all that matters today. That'll be all that matters tomorrow. Right. And that'll be all that matters forever. Right. Especially, I mean, thinking about things in light of eternity. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, think about the uh, the old pictures you see in, in museums of, of monks and stuff like that where they're looking at a skull. Yeah. And just this, the, the idea of thinking about your mortality and yeah. thinking about how short your life is really if it's not living for Christ, then it really has no impact True. at all. It has no True. impact. If it, if people remember you, they won't remember you for very long, you know, True. in the grand scheme of history. Um, the only way that our life can have any meaning is if it's lived for Christ. Amen. Um, and that's the only thing we can find real fulfillment in. True. Is, is, living, is living for Christ because, you know, if we try to find fulfillment in ourselves, fulfillment in ourselves Eventually, down the road, we will realize just how inadequate we are. Um, I feel like maybe some of the great men of God we speak about um, that have passed on were men that realized their inadequacies really early on. Um, and, you know, it's pride's of something I have fear about, something I believe all Christians should fear because it's so, it's dangerous. True. You know? True. I think the challenge in in regard to perseverance, endurance, and, and longevity in ministry is ongoing in that we, we don't need to get too carried away by the compliments we receive, mm. and we don't need to be cut down too often by the criticism we receive. Because oftentimes... And this is just my two cent worth, all right? Oftentimes, the hands that pat you on the back will sooner than later be the same hands that stab you Mm. in the back. Uh, It was that way with Jesus. He was betrayed. He was denied and eventually and ultimately crucified. Who are we in ministry to think that we've got to be everybody's BFF? Who are we to think that we've got to be uh, the most popular, the most prosperous, the most prominent pastor, preacher on the planet when our Savior died one Friday afternoon, was buried, but he rose from the dead. Or to me to live, Paul said, is Christ, and to die mm. is gain. Mm. Amen. And what you said earlier, I believe, is a great testament, a great testimony. Ultimately, um, we have to see that any good thing that comes out of us anyways is because of God. It's because of Christ. That's all. It's uh, It's done in spite of us, and maybe that's a great reminder for us when we're feeling down. Or yeah. we're feeling too high. Yeah, um, can can both be a great reminder. You've had the opportunity to do many different 
roles in ministry. Right now, you're at his vineyard. A lot of great God is doing good, great things there. With you know, with that church starting that church and just seeing how it's grown, talk about just the work that God has done at his vineyard. Well, I praise the Lord for his vineyard. I tell people, other than Jesus, my wife Debbie and and our family, uh, his vineyard has has been the most unregrettable experience of my life. Uh, We have come a long, long way in 18 years, but the fact remains we've got much further to go than the distance we've come. So it's not over. I'm probably in my fourth quarter. I just recently announced my retirement. (laughs) Not retiring in any foreseeable future, but the fire still burns. And as long as they will allow me to do so, and as God permits it, mm-hmm. I want to see, see his vineyard become what she can become just for Jesus. Mm. That's right. That's right. Um, and also another role that, you, that you've had the opportunity to serve in was chaplaincy. We've had the honor of having some uh, some other chaplains on as well. I'm sure you know them both, uh, Gary Rogers mm-hmm. and uh, Benny Durham, um, both great men. both great men of God. Um, and you also served in the police chaplaincy as well. So mm-hmm. I mean, just talk about um, you know how that role, what that role was like, and then um, how how you saw God work there. Well, I praise the Lord for that privilege, and I praise the Lord for my my wife who has supported me in that over the years, and the churches that I've pastored. Uh, I started serving as the law enforcement chaplain for the Greer City Police Department, December the 17th, 1992. And then I started additionally serving with the Greenville City Police Department in 2007. So uh, I've never felt like that God had called me to serve as a police officer. Uh, And I do think that is a calling from God. But I do believe he has called me to encourage others to pray Mm. for those men and women who uh, live and unfortunately sometimes even die on that thin blue line. Not quite sure when this particular podcast will be aired, but uh, at the time of our recording just this past Wednesday, a mm. 22-year-old police officer. Yes, heard about that. Mm. In Easley, South Carolina, which is where I grew up, as I said earlier, uh, was killed on a train track, hit by a train, trying to save the life of somebody that he didn't know. So. Uh, I know this is America, and we have freedom of speech, but I am not that guy you want to talk to about defunding the police. You need to go talk to somebody else about that if you want somebody who's going to listen to you, because I'm not. We have a God-given responsibility to pray for those, all of those in authority. That's right. That's right. First Timothy 2. 
Romans 13 says that these are ministers of righteousness who've been given authority by God. Are there some bad cops? You better believe it. But I live with the realization that there's also some bad preachers mm. and some bad plumbers and bad painters and right and uh, bad lawyers. Mm. I believe it. Yeah, and I I would agree. I mean, um, I think we find that in most jobs that have people in them, um, there will be the majority of people are good people, especially, yeah. and there's a few bad ones. Except for in Congress, where it's the other way around, but that's that's another story <laughs> for another day. Um, but I, I believe that yes, absolutely. I mean, sometimes we we have in, in our culture today we have the uh, we we focus on the negative. Our yeah. media focus, our news media focuses on the negative. But these police policemen, as as we've spoken about um, before, um, and, and we talked about with Benny and, and with others, many, these policemen. Are are dealing many times with just the worst percent of the population. Oh yeah, and it's such a difficult job, um, and it's it's hard. It's really hard, and, and it's hard, and it's really it's impossible for me or for people that aren't in it to understand all that goes through. Um, do you I mean you've you've dealt with that where there where there's some difficult times, and how do you help? How do you help them deal with with those hard times? Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, primarily, it's a ministry of presence. Mm-hmm. It's a ministry of presence, and uh, I I I don't sit down in a in a cop's car and uh, start going over the Roman road with them immediately. Right, I, I don't right. sit down and start giving them forty seven questions within five minutes and and uh, asking them are they going to heaven or hell. That is their their world, and I go in there as a guest. Do I believe in heaven or hell? Absolutely. Do I believe in the Roman road? Absolutely. Do I believe in the five fundamentals of the faith? Absolutely. Am I conservative? Evangelical? Absolutely. But I'm not mad about it. Mm -hmm. And I try not to be too stupid about it either. (laughs) Jesus told us to be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. And my approach in a lot of things, but especially law enforcement chaplaincy, based on the parable of Jesus, is to go into a room and instead of running up to the front of the room telling somebody, this is your seat, you need to be in the best seat in the house, just sit down in the back, keep your mouth shut, because it'd be better for somebody to say, hey, you come up here, than somebody to say, would you please go back there? And uh, I just am personally hmm. grateful for every cop man or woman who have allowed me to ride with them on duty. Hmm. Well, you really get to see into a different world there, I'd imagine. You really um, do. You really do. And and I've had I've had church people over the years who've said, why do you do that? What 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 do you get out of it? Um I, I don't do it for the action. I've seen a lot of action. But but that is that is not my motivation. Um, it really is not, and I I do it hopefully to encourage and to bless and and to build relationships and and to listen and learn and communicate 
And uh, if the Lord wills, eventually, if he will permit me to do so, win somebody to Christ. That That's the, that's the unashamed ulterior motive hmm. to everything that I do. But the benefit of it is that chaplaincy has has helped me keep things in perspective. And uh, it doesn't rock my world when I when I go into church and somebody says that uh, it was a little too light in here or it was a little too dark. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't in cause me to want to go out and jump off a bridge when somebody says well, it, it was too hot in here today, or it was mm. too cold in here today. I just look at them, and I smile, and I say, thank you for your thoughts. <laughs> but in my mind, I'm saying, would you please go somewhere and get a life? Because yesterday, I was with a family whose son was killed in the line of duty. Mm. It keeps it in perspective. And uh, and, I, and, I have to, and I have to make sure that I debrief with the people in my life that I trust. Because if I don't, uh, I don't handle it right. 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 Yeah, many times. Many times. That's, that, that, that is absolutely the truth. Truth for all of us. Um, talking about the people in your life, just, just one more thing. You know, every, many of the pastors and ministers we have, that they, they speak about, you know, the impact of, of their family. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of things there. First off, your wife, Debbie. Uh, yeah. Such an important part because you are in ministry together. Oh yeah, um, that is it is absolutely um, essential um, that 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 y'all are, that y'all do this together. It's it's not just your ministry and she's doing her own thing. Y'all are both in ministry. So just True. talk about how important that that relationship has been. Um, well, Proverbs eighteen, I think it's verse twenty two that says, "He who finds a wife finds a good thing. She has been my good thing for a long, long time." Uh, this coming November, we will have been married for 41 years. Mm. Um, she was 20 years old when I married her. I was 21. Neither one of us recommend that. It ought to be against the law to get <laughs> married that young, and I know people get yeah. married younger. But yet we were both in school full time. But we don't regret it. Right. And at the same time, uh, that's just the grace of God. She uh, oftentimes, and I pray that she doesn't hear me say this because she could just be as well off without hearing this, but many times she has been the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life. Hmm. She really has. She really has. She is, uh, and and all three of our sons know that I say this, she is the smartest person in our family and in many, many ways, probably the bravest person mm. in our family. Mm. Yeah. Um, in terms of, in terms of, you said about, talked about three sons. Yeah. Three, three sons. sons. In terms of raising those sons as a minister, um, as a pastor and to the, to the many roles that you've served in, uh, just maybe some, how would you advise, you know, I mean, other pastors or just, how did you raise your kids um, and, and, and what were just kind of the ways that you raised them as a minister? Well, I really had it all figured out before they were born. Then came the boys. Right. <laughs> and uh, I found out 
that I didn't know nearly as much about raising children mm. as I had mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thought previously with all the good intentions in the world that I had, but I didn't. Uh, boy, oh boy, oh boy, I could write a book. I could, I could, I could, I could uh, pre- present PowerPoints. I could, I could do several sermon series on all the mistakes I made <laughs> as a dad. Right. No doubt about it. But this is what I'm glad for. I'm glad for being able, by the grace of God, to to extend grace to my children. And here's what's happened in the process, Wilson. They have extended grace to me. And we have many, many, many times been able to see the Lord restore the years that the locust have eaten. Are there things that I would do differently? Yes, 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 in all capital letters. If I were texting you, it'd be exclamation, exclamation. (laughs) Absolutely. There are things I would do differently. Um, I did a lot of things wrong. And I did a few things right. So between the few things right and a lot of things wrong, there's this big old gap. And recently, in my prayer time, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what about this big gap? Because I've got, I've got adult children now. They're one's 37 in just a few days. The other one is, um, is, is 33. The other one is, is 32. Uh, what do I do? What do I do when when there's this gap between what I did wrong and what I did right? I just need to sit still and just give thanks to God that he's God. And here again, that his grace covers it all. Hmm. Hmm. I, I love I love our sons. Uh, I thank God for technology because one now is is in Texas. Of course, we feel like he's really close by because he was in California, and before that, he was in Australia. Uh, two live locally, but they travel a lot with their work. But we we try to touch base every single day. Last year, my wife and I moved out of the house we'd lived in for over twenty four years, out of the neighborhood we'd lived in for. For over 27 years, we we totally downsized, moved 10 miles to be closer to our grandchildren. Now, I've got good kids. I thank God for our sons. And I and I like them, okay? And I even love them. <laughs> but we are pretty much addicted to our grandsons. Right. That's right. And uh, if you have just a few hours, I've got 1,267 <laughs> pictures on my phone of our grandsons. And uh, before this conversation gets spiritual again, I just want to tell you, uh, September the 14th, we are supposed to have our first granddaughter. Oh, man. 
Yeah, we're so that is awesome. We're I mean, we so were excited. we were talking about um, earlier. This this is the first daughter on the side on this side of the oh, family, yeah. right? Yeah. In sixty years, wow! In sixty years, <laughs> since oh, my man. sister, who is sixty, and I know she would appreciate me saying that, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you what, we're so excited about this this little girl. There, there's a promise from Isaiah fifty nine twenty one that talks about our children and our children's children. Hmm. There's something about that. Yeah. And 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 I love what the word of God says about Noah. Wilson, it says that when the ark was prepared, his sons got in and their wives. I am believing that. There's a lot of times as a parent, when they were growing up, and even now, just be real honest with you, even now, that I don't have the answers. But I want to tell you something, brother. I've got some promises. And as we used to sing back in the old days, standing on the promises of Christ my King through eternal ages, I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. I'm going to stand on these promises. That's right. That's right. And one of those promises is train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. It does not say that he won't nearly drive you crazy Bruh. in the process, <laughs> but it says he will not depart from it. That's right. That's right. Amen. Um, amen. One of the things that we want to talk about today was prayer. Um, the importance of that. It's essential to every Christian mm-hmm. um, uh, praying. It's mm-hmm. one of the things, though, that's that's normally not seen in the public eye. At least, you know, I mean, we do have public prayer, but prayer is certainly um, a personal thing many times for the Christian. Something that's done in their personal life, not done out in the open. Um, Just right off the bat, what should be our approach biblically Mm -hmm. to prayer and and, and how we we should pray? Mm -hmm. I would say praying the Word of God. Hmm. Somebody... Ask Spurgeon, the great English preacher, one time. They said, uh, what's most important, prayer or Bible study? And this was his answer. He answered that question with a question when he said, what's most important to you, inhaling or exhaling? Hmm. You see, Bible study, we inhale the Word of God. Prayer, we exhale the Word of God. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Uh, Beth Moore, years ago, wrote a a great, great book about praying the word of God. I would encourage you to get that book if it's still in print. Or if you know somebody who has it, borrow it. Now, I can't let you borrow my wife's book because it probably never get back to me. She won't even let me borrow it. She won't even let me take it out of the house. But the book, the Bible, tells us about men and women who prayed the Word of God. And prayer, I think, instead of of being a spare tire, should be the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Um, Several years ago, there was a there was a famous apologist 
brilliant mind, and I won't name him because there go I, but by the grace of God, when he died, it was discovered that he was doing a whole lot of things in private that were not pleasing to God. Yeah, yeah. But in that same city of Atlanta, Georgia, where he lived, there was an old pastor by the name of Charles Stanley who, when he died, it was discovered that we really didn't even know a thumbnail of the depth that was attached to his prayer life hmm. until some of those who were closest to him, like his, his pastor and uh, like some of his assistants, began to tell after he was gone. We'll never be more in public than we are with God in private. And the way to maintain intimacy with God is through prayer. And prayer is as much listening as it is speaking. Mm. When you, when you say that, um, if you don't mind, maybe just expounding upon upon that. When you say it's more more listening than speaking, and you talked about the relationship between God's Word and then praying the Word out, can you talk a little bit about what that process is like? Well, I I think that uh, Samuel was a great, great example. He thought he was hearing Eli, so he goes to Eli in the temple, even as a young boy. And uh, Eli said, it's not me. And he goes back. He said, are you calling me? He said, no, it's not me. And, and he began to pick up on the fact that Samuel was potentially hearing the voice of God. And he gave him great, great advice. He said, now go back and pray. And when you pray, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. In other words, just be still and know that he's God. Get you an open Bible. Get you some pen and paper and get ready for God to speak to your heart. Because this is his word. This is, this is his word. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. This is the word of God. Thanks be unto God for his word. Mm -hmm. But to live with the realization that there is a revelation for every situation that we come across in life gives us motivation to have a conversation with God on a level that's unlike any other level with which we could ever or with whom we could ever converse with. Mm. That's right. That's right. So the so really the essential part of it is prayer is more than just us going to God. Because sometimes, I mean, I, I had this view of prayer for a long time. It was something along the lines of, well, it's like asking, you know, praying over your dinner. You basically just go to God and say, hey, um, thank you for this, this, and this, and I want this, this, and this. But maybe a more biblical view or just a higher view of prayer would, would be say, hey, you're intaking God's word. Yeah. Meditate on it. And yeah. then, and then you know, speak it back out to God. Um in a way that's you know treating the text correctly, um, and and but also apply, taking the text and then trying to apply it to your life, 
by speaking it out, by speaking it out and praying yeah, it to God. Ab- absolutely. Um, I've, I've heard people uh, somewhat critical say, well, God doesn't have to be reminded. God already knows all this. And, and all this is about, you know, you, you tell God this and you tell God this. And, I, and, I, and I've, heard, I've heard people uh, who, who were, were, were not uh, from a certain tradition criticize people who say, now, God, you said in your word, and Lord, I'm just going to believe your word. I've heard people make fun of them. I, I want to say, just, just cut it out because you really don't know what you're talking about. Just to be kind of blunt. Because God loves to hear his children calling out his word back to him. It's not manipulation. It's not us thinking that we can twist his arm to do anything. But it is it is worship. It mm. is praise unto God. Listen, one of the greatest things our generation needs to see is that praise and worship is music. But it is so much more than that. Right. And encapsulates it's everything, every part of your life. Every, you know. Preaching and teaching and prayer. They prayed and sang praises to God in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas did. And uh, as much as I love to, to hear my grandchildren or my children even say, Dad, you know, just like you said, that, I mean, that blesses my heart because that lets me know they've been listening. And I think it does that for God. It delights God when we delight in him. And if we delight in him, our desires will be right. And when our desires are right, he'll give us the desires of our heart. Right. Because prayer ultimately is just as much about cultivating the mind of God in your own life, cultivating yourself to the will of God. No doubt. um, As it is asking and receiving things. Yes. No in fact, I would make the contention that it's more about trying to conform your mind to what the will of God is in your life, yeah. or, and just what and just who God is more yeah. than just what the will of God is in your life, but who God is um, in His attributes and and who He is in His person, and that's what prayer can do. So it has more of a purpose than just asking and and, and receiving. Um, many times, David, you know, I I, I believe basis is psalms in god's character and yeah. who god who god is and will base his request in who god is but most many of the psalms are just praises for who god is absolutely and how he will or you know he's going through a time of hardship and how he will stay strong in the faith because of who god is sure um so many times it's more than just asking and receiving would you would you say i mean i'm, I'm sure you would second that oh i would say amen and amen this is what comes to my mind when I think of Daniel. Even before the den of lions, he was kneeling. It was his custom to kneel down and talk to God three times a day. I would say if we kneel more, we will fail less. Hmm. I didn't say that we would fail never because we're human and, and we still live in a fallen world. But I promise you, God promises you that if we will kneel more, there's just something personally to me about kneeling. I mean, just kneel if you're able to physically. And, and, it, and of course, it's the position of your heart more than your body. It may be out walking, 
It may, it may be exercising, whatever. But to, but to, but to posture yourself in humility before God and seek his face for who he is and not his hand for what he does. And just seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Yeah, amen. Um, and in prayer, there's this wide aspect, this is this broad view of how we can, of just the different types of emotions in which we can pray to God. I was talking to Brian Spearman about. He was telling me about this. He was he was giving me some great, just great insight on 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 yeah. the emotions of the Psalms and stuff like that. Uh, and you think about books like Lamentations, yeah, or Ecclesiastes, really, where you can bring your issues to God in any type of way. And really, like you said earlier, there's a place in the Bible for every situation. You could, it could make it be, maybe it could be said there's a prayer in the Bible for every type of situation, oh, or at least prayers. every emotion, yeah. at least every emotion. Um, you know, sp- thinking about some of those, some of those Psalms or some of the, you know, Lamentations and Ecclesiastes where the prayer is ultimately from someone who's just, just beaten down by life and is really lamenting to God. Yeah. Um, is is there a place for that? Is there a place to want well, th- to go? I, th- I think there's a time. I think there's times when we can do that. Um, we can pray those, uh, as as the theologians would say, those imprecatory prayers. But I I just call it gut wrenching moments hmm. where you just have to cry out to God, not in disrespect, not in blasphemy, but you say, hey, God, I'm hurting like I've never hurt before, and I need to get some things off my heart. You can do that, but I need to give you a a warning. I need to give you a word of caution, and that word of caution is this. You can do that, and I've done that, but for me, it is as if I hear God say, okay, are you finished? Mm. Two specific moments in my life that's happened. One as a, one as a parent. One as a pastor. I just, I, in brokenness, I cried out to God. But then He said, "Are you finished?" And I said, "Yes, sir." He says, "Now listen to me." And there again, I go back. It's not just us rattling off our our grocery list before God, right? But it's giving him an ear. Right. Yeah. I'm reminded of Job. I mean, I believe that there is a difference um, between a, a lamenting and a lashing out yeah. to God. Um yeah. Thinking about Job would probably be more along the lines of lashing out. And then at the end of it, basically, at the end of Job's lament, if we want, um, or, yeah. or him, you know, giving his grievances, God's response is basically, who are you to say these things? Right. And I think we have to, you know, remember that as well. I think you know? you're right on target. Yeah. Um and then think about Jesus and his life and the and and just the importance and just the priority he put on prayer. Many times we think, you know, remember Mark one where he goes very early in the morning yeah. morning to pray. Just True. maybe some insights that you've that you've seen in your study of scripture from Jesus' life and his focus on prayer. The prayer life of Jesus. We we see him praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Thank God we don't have Gethsemane experiences every day. Mm-hmm. We couldn't live through them, but we do have them. We see him praying over the bread and the fish. 
We see him praying over sick people. We see him praying with people, for people. We see him praying to the Father. We see him praying short prayers, and then we see him staying on the mountain all night long praying by himself. He really prioritized private prayer, though, hmm. because with private prayer comes open rewards. Right, right. Um, yeah, many times maybe we, maybe we don't see the the results of private prayer or at least don't think we know of the results from that can come from private prayer. Um, thinking about Romans 12, 2, yeah. renew, renewing yeah. our minds, done through study the Word of God, and then yeah. as, as we've talked about praying it back. Um, for someone that has a prayer life that's a, just a serious prayer life, you've seen the impact that that can have. In your own life, and then you—I'm sure you know many prayer warriors yourself. Hmm. What is the impact a a prayer a you know a prayer life sold up to God can have on individuals' walk with Jesus? And I'm hesitant to say this because I I, I speak as no authority. I'm, I've not graduated that class yet, and won't until I take my last breath. But I have learned, and am continuing to learn that prayer connects us like nothing else in this world with the supernatural power of God. And as I live and as I learn, supernatural is just simply when God puts his super on our natural. For instance, and I will just make this very, very brief, I was... uh, recently, not too long ago, between a rock and a hard place. And I cried out to God, and I said, God, I need some help. It was almost immediately I got a text message from another pastor. And uh, he said, and this is not somebody I'm super, super, super close to, okay? Mm-hmm. It's not somebody I, I go out and eat with, not somebody that, that I hang out with and go on trips with. I just know him casually, but I respect him greatly. He said, Keith, I just had you on my mind. He says, is there anything I can do for you? I texted him back. I said, can you come to my house? He said, I'll be there in 30 minutes. Now, the foolish thing that I would have done would have said, he's interrupting me. Why is, why is he texting me? I'm asking God for help. God heard my prayer. God sent this man. Hmm. And he ministered to me greatly. I don't know what I would have done. If, but God, but God. Right, right. But God. Right. Many times prayer shows us um, that God is there. Yeah. Because we find that he um, answers our prayers many times, not in the way we would expect or sometimes want. Um, but we find that that God does answer prayers. And, right. it's, it's, a, and it's a great way. It's, it's I know many Christians who are comforted um, from a prayer answer, and it's just and just it's evidence that God is there. Miraculously, God's working miraculously, miraculously. Some miracles are 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 obvious. Some are out sourced. In other words, they're indirect. Some are obscure, and but I think they're all ongoing. Mm-hmm. There's a miracle. I think in the making right now for every child of God 
we don't need it yet, but when we need that miracle, as a result of somebody's prayer, we'll receive that miracle, mm. that divine intervention from God. Mm. That's right. That's right. Amen. Keith, is there anything else about prayer we want we want to discuss? I think we're we might start wrapping up or well it is time to wrap up. I know. May I pray for you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Father, I thank you, God, in the name of Jesus for Wilson. Paris, I thank you, Lord, that your hands on his life. I'm so encouraged by he and others, young men and women of God, his generation. I believe they're the Joshua generation. I believe, Lord, they're going to come behind uh, the rest of us when, when we finally go on to the house, and they're going to continue on even and take Christian ministry to a level maybe in this culture we're living in, maybe to a level that uh, we've, we've never even seen. I pray you'd bless him and may his tribe increase a thousandfold. May his, may his territories expand even like Jabez did. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Keith. You're welcome. Um, thank you for your encouraging words. Thank you for being here, sharing your testimony with us, and speaking on prayer. Um, it was an honor, honor to have you. My honor, honor sir. My honor. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We will. We'll make sure that we uh, we have you back. We'll have to do more more Bible studies or stuff or something along those lines. Um, really, thank you. Thank you for your support of this ministry. So. Well, I believe in what you're doing, and and uh, I, I I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, but this is what this is what I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be praying that that this ministry might expand and even explode all over the world. Not kidding. That that's what <laughs> we'll my see, yeah. that's what my middle grandson says when he asks my wife for candy and she'll try to ignore him because we don't like to give them sugar because we have to deal with their parents when we take them <laughs> home and they're acting crazy. And uh, she'll ignore him and, and he'll say, I'm not kidding, grandma. I'm not kidding. So right, Wilson, right. I'm well, I'm not kidding. Well thank you. I, I know Thomas is ready for that. I don't know if I'm ready for it. I don't know if I'm prepared. But <laughs> I, you just follow Thomas. That's right. You yeah. just follow Thomas. He's the one. He's the one that does all the work. Yeah. So uh, thankful yeah. for him. But thank you so much for being here. Thank Keith. you. Thank you. Yes, sir. My pleasure. I'm Wilson Paris and that's a good word.